I want to take you on a little journey through our first date that day, um, because this day was important to me. Um, hopefully, that's obvious. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to make it intentional and meaningful. I wanted it to be really fun and like impress her. So I put a lot of work into making this day great. Um, so what we did, I picked her up. We went to eat in Dallas. We have a few pictures just to take you along this journey. We're so cute, right? Um, so we went to eat, then we went to Half Price Books, and we did a book scavenger hunt. I'm pretty proud of this date. If you're looking for ideas, maybe take some notes. That's up to you. Um, but we did this book scavenger hunt, and the whole point was just, like, get to know each other. So we went to Half Price Books. It's that big one in Dallas. There's, like, I mean, thousands of books in there. And what we did, we first went to, um, I always keep forgetting the order. I, we went to the cooking section first. And in this section, we had to go around and look at different books and find a recipe that each of us thought would be fun to make together someday. And then we talked about it, had fun, and then we went to, um, you can see some of the uh, recipes we chose. And then we went to the kids section, and we both found books that we loved as kids, and we talked about those memories um, and what that was like, those moments um, growing up. And then we go to the travel section. We went over there and found a book on a place that we thought it'd be fun to travel to someday. Um, we haven't been to New Zealand yet. Um, I don't, I'll have to talk to Alita about the location for what that book stood for. But um, then we went, we kind of capped it off going to the poetry section, which is stressful. Um, I think like our first date, there's pressure on me. I have to like, I mean, I set myself up for this, but the poetry section, we had to find a poem, share it with each other, so then I felt this pressure to like make it perfect because I want it to be romantic, but I don't want to be like too forward. I want it to be meaningful, but not lame. And so I'm just like taking forever. I mean like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. Alita's already got one. She's waiting on me. I'm like, I'm screwing this up. I'm starting to like sweat. I'm getting nervous. And so I just took forever. I found one that worked. We shared them together. Um, and we had a ton of fun that night. And I, it went really well. I think I impressed her because... I asked her to be my girlfriend afterwards, and she said yes. And the rest is history. Um, but I wanted to be intentional about it because I wanted her to know how much that I cared about her, and I wanted her to say yes to being my girlfriend. And so, like, I want to be intentional and purposeful with how that date went. And I think about the years when I was in college, just learning about leadership and leading people, leading your family, and say that one day you were married, leading your spouse. And so, um, I thought then, um, looking up to those people who told me, never stop dating your spouse. And so that stuck with me. And I thought, whoever I end up with, like, I want to keep dating them and being intentional with that relationship. Um, when Alita and I were together, we both decided we wanted to keep doing that together, um, no matter how married we might be. But we'd still date, be intentional. And we've been going on dates every week since then. Some of them are flashy. We spend money. Sometimes we don't. And we're just chilling together. But we spend time intentionally together every week since March 2018, and it's been so amazing. Um, but I want you to think, like, there might be couples you look up to um, who are really close, maybe with their spouse, or even someone who loves Jesus so much, you're like, man, that relationship, like, I want something like that. Those people have practices, they have habits in their life to keep those relationships flourishing and vibrant. Like, they're intentional with those relationships. And so if you want a relationship like that, it takes intentionality. It takes regular habits and practices. And we want to be the same way in our relationship with Yahweh. 
That when we're with Him, that we're not just sort of coasting along or relying on something we said years ago, but that every day we're intentional with how we're with the habits in our life, how we're coming close to Him and developing that relationship. So we're starting a new series today all about that called Persistent Practice. And so this is going to be focused on three different practices over the next few weeks that will help us to grow close to Yahweh. And that is the goal. The goal is not to share some skill that we can learn how to do the right way and be the best person at. Like it's not a sport, but the goal is Yahweh. The goal is just to be close to Him. So when we talk about this today and even in the next few weeks, we're talking about a few different practices in our life. It's not about doing it in a specific way or being the best at it, but just about relationship. Because these practices are not about rules or rituals. They're about relationship. So please remember this. Write that down. Keep that with you. Because when we read through the Bible about different things that people do to come close to Yahweh, it's not about doing in a specific way that God wouldn't be disappointed or just shun us away from Him. He wants to be close to us. That's all He wants from us. And so the, today we're going to kick it off talking about um, fasting. So we're talking about fasting today. This is the first practice. And as we get into these practices, just I want to remind or kind of give this challenge. Over the next few weeks, we'll share about fasting and uh, studying the Bible and relationship with people. And we want to just encourage you, what is God speaking to you to really focus in on? Maybe there's one practice that you can start to develop and practice over this year and really lean into. And so as we talk about these few things these next few weeks, let God speak to you. What is one of those things we can really lean into and let Him develop in our life? We're talking about fasting. Um, fasting was a regular practice for the early church. For early Jewish culture, they fasted on a regular basis. It was just kind of a part of life. And Jesus assumed His disciples would fast. Um, and we read throughout the Bible of different examples of people who had these experiences of fasting. In Acts chapter 13, you read about the church at Antioch, and they're already fasting just as the church together, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, as if this is just what you do, the Holy Spirit then said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. You read through the Bible and you see it keep coming up. People are fasting at different, different people, different times. And there's this repetition of this experience and we think there's some significance to this. And so this is how we read the Bible. This repetition implies the significance. So what does the Bible say about it? And so what we're going to do today is just make observations. When we're reading the Bible, engaging with it, that's what we do. Because there's not a specific scripture in the Bible that says, you do fasting like this, and in this time, and it's exactly this way. Like, it's not a specific verse like that, but we read through different experiences and moments of people who are living life with God, and we see the consequence of their actions, the results of things that they're doing, the way God works, and we make observations about, this may be something I want to imply or implicate in my life. This may be something that I want to apply to my life. Maybe there's something I want to stay away from because of how I've seen it affect someone else as I read about them in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do today. Make some observations and see what we learned through Scripture about fasting. So the first observation we're going to make about fasting is that fasting is not eating. Fasting is defined by this decision to not eat. Now, I grew up, um, taught this, and I even taught students in NYC years ago, like, 
you can fast social media or TV or other distractions so that you can say no to that and focus in on God's voice. That, that could be very healthy to do, to move, remove distractions and focus in on God. So if he leads you to do that, please do that. It's been beneficial to me. But fasting, as we read in Scripture, it is defined by a decision to not eat, specifically. And there is some significance to that. Um, in some of these examples, you see a lot of them are like a one-day, 24-hour fast, deciding not to eat for one day. And there are a few examples, like Moses and Elijah and Jesus, who decide not to eat for 40 days, which is extreme. If Please get on that page. That's extreme. Um, I would not recommend jumping into a 40-day fast. There are serious health concerns you should, be, you should take into account. I would say even if you're fasting for more than a day, just consider talking to your doctor. I mean, those are serious like health um, concerns you should be aware of. So I want to at least bring that up. Um, please take that into account. And there also might be some people in the room who have a difficult relationship with food. So like if not eating one meal is going to be very difficult for you in other ways for your body, like please don't feel that there's pressure that you have to fast food on a regular basis. We're going to make observations about that in Scripture, but God can work in a lot of different versions of this. Again, it's not about a rule. It's not about there's a specific way it has to be done. God can move in, in very incredible ways, even if it's not about food. So let Him lead you. Let Him guide you in what it looks like for you. But today we are talking about not eating because we're making observations about the way that we see that in Scripture. And so there is a significance to not eating. You think about our lives as human beings, everyone in the room, human beings, we, we don't have many things in our life that we do every day for our entire life. Think about, like, as you're a young child, as you're growing older, as you are older in years, there's not many things we do all the time, every day. Eating is one of those things that is this universal routine habit across the world we need to eat. And if you aren't able to find a meal one day, like you're very aware of it. Maybe you've missed a meal, um, and when you're hungry, like other people know. Like people around you are aware, like, oh, yeah, that guy's not eating. Like he's pretty hungry. Um, and so, like, it's this, there's a significance to deciding not to eat. And there's an element of fasting that it reminds us of the frailty of being a human. Like, there's this frailty of it. Like, we're dependent on something to exist. Ultimately, we're dependent on the Lord for, for providing even a meal during the day. But fasting is like embodying this kind of frailty. Like, I'm dependent to live. And almost like you're physically expressing that as we fast. So there's an element of it um, there, but there's still there's a deeper kind of purpose to what fasting is. So many of us have been taught, and maybe this is directly, maybe it's indirectly from other people, that when I fast, then God responds. That when I fast, God responds, but I want to be really clear about something. The fasting is not forcing God to respond to us. The fasting is our response. Fasting is our response. This challenged me because this is how I always thought of fasting, like that if I want to be serious about something, if I want to show God I'm serious, I'm going to fast. Like, maybe you're like me, and you've tried fasting before, and you've done it like I have, where I would have this goal in mind. Like, hey God, 
there's this thing I really want you to tell me if it's going to happen or not. So give me like yes or no. I'm going to fast, so tell me. And that's like I'm waiting for a result when I'm fasting. Or I have this thing I want fixed, and I have a certain way I want it to be done. And so I'm going to fast and just wait for God to do it the way I wanted. But it's missing the point. Because it's not about God like responding to our fast, that we would force his hand. It's like we think it's an extra level of prayer. Like if I pray, maybe he'll do it, maybe he won't. But if I fast, like, hey, God's going to actually respond and do something. But that's not what it's about. And when we look in Scripture, we observe people in the moments that they're fasting. It's done in response to some moment. As if fasting, it just makes sense, is something that we ought to do when these things happen. So we're going to look at some of those examples, hopefully bring some clarity to the experience that we have through fasting. And so the first example is that fasting is done in response to change. We're going to talk about how fasting is done in response to change, in response to repentance, and in response to tragedy. And so first of all, looking at how fasting is done in response to change. In Acts chapter 13, again, we look at the church at Antioch, and they're fasting and praying, but the Holy Spirit brings new direction, this new opportunity to say, Saul and Barnabas, they're going to go out from this church community and then go and minister to all these other areas. Like, there's a big shift happening in their community. And then in response to that, they fast and they pray, almost like digesting what God's doing. You see examples of this with Moses and Elijah, even Jesus himself, after the baptism, the moment with Yahweh, that he goes and fasts for 40 days. In these, in these examples, it's like, it's like to digest and understand what God is doing, we fast. It's like come close to him and just let him do what he needs to do. How many times in our life, like we're following Jesus and he leads us somewhere we did not expect. We like look back on our life, we're like, how did I get here? Like, this is not what I asked you to do. And we get somewhere, we're like, what are you doing? I'm confused. I just don't know, God, what you're trying to like do in me or lead me. And so this is an appropriate way for us to respond to that, to fast. Because you think about like, this is a moment God's interrupting our life and bringing a shift, something different. An appropriate way to respond would be fasting because it's an interruption to not eat. And nobody in the room is going to say like, oh, no, it's just kind of like part of my regular life. I'm not eat for a whole day. What are you talking about? It's an interruption and you notice it when you don't eat. And so it's at least one way to internalize and embody that kind of interruption that maybe God is bringing to our life. And a lot of us might say like, oh, you know, I'd rather just pray about it and then let God do what he needs to and just pray. Like, why would I have to fast? Well, it's almost like we're assuming that our spiritual life is just in our mind or just in our thoughts, but throughout the Bible, it encourages us our bodies are spiritual. Everything about us is spiritual, and so fasting is a fully appropriate response to this interruption, this newness, this new direction or opportunity that we'd respond in this way. Because fasting, it, it gives us this way to physically express what we're experiencing spiritually. We have these experiences with the Lord and spiritually that, like, how do we express more physically, like, in our, what may feel more real. And so physically, we can express those kind of experiences through fasting. So we see fasting done in response to change, and also fasting done in response to repentance. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, Samuel is bringing direction to the people of Israel, and 
he says, if you're returning to Yahweh with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of your foreign gods and then commit yourselves to Yahweh and serve him only. And so they put away their idol gods, they served Yahweh, and Samuel says this. He says, assemble all Israel at Mitzvah, and I will intercede with Yahweh for you. And when they assembled, it says, on that day they fasted, and there they confessed. We have sinned against Yahweh. This is probably one of the largest examples in Scripture of how fasting is done in response to God opening our eyes to the way we've been living. And so, almost in this apologetic coming close to Him, like, I can't believe the way I've been living, we fast, almost grieving the way that we used to live. A lot of these examples are for 24 hours. There's another example in Joel chapter 2. It says, even now, declares Yahweh, return to me with all your heart. He says, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Notice the connection. This is like, I didn't know how to reconcile this when I first started doing some study on this, but I think defines a lot of what fasting is, that it's connected with weeping and mourning and sorrow and grief. But it says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in covenant loyalty. There's other examples of the Ninevites and Jonah and in Ezra, where of us waking up, God reminding us like, hey, this is where you're at, kind of how life is going, but this is where I want you. Like, I want to help make you more like me, bring your life more in line with the way I have for you. And in that repentance that, like I said, we're almost grieving the way we've been living. Like, I can't believe how it's been or how I've been disconnected from you, coming close to him again. We fast to physically express that kind of grief, that kind of uh, repentance. And this is just a part of growing. So I want to make this clear. Like, this isn't something that if you've never fasted before, that's something you might fast about. This is everybody. Like, the longer we're living with Jesus, the more we're going to have to do this. Because the longer I'm with him, the more he shows me of my life that's not quite in line with him and helps me really redirect and come in line with him. So, I mean, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, there is going to be even more things that we have to repent and come close to him and let go of and surrender. And so as he shows us, we repent, we come close, and we can do this through fasting. Fasting gives us a chance to physically embody this kind of repentance, this grief for how we've been living. We reflect on the state of our heart, reflect on the state of our world, and maybe even in a large sense of where humanity is and how we're disconnected from Him. But like, I ever thought this was an appropriate way to live. Like, Yahweh, I just want to be close to you. Please help me be like you. And then we just let Him do what He needs to do. This is an important element of it because we don't have an agenda when we fast. We just come close to Jesus. And then He can do what He needs to. He can maybe speak to us, give us specific direction, or maybe do something in our heart and maybe not. If he doesn't give us those specific things, it should be enough for us just to come close to him through this. Not that we get something out of it, but that we can come close to our Savior again and know him again. And so fasting, we've seen done in response to change, done in response to repentance, and also we see fasting done in response to tragedy. I think is a large, important element of how we see what fasting is about. There are some events in our life that are so grievous that it demands that we stop all 
normal operations of life. And fasting gives us this opportunity to express that kind of grief. In Psalm 35, we read about David, and he's praying to Yahweh. He's praying for rescue from people who are trying to destroy him. And I want you to notice what it says, how he responds. In Psalm 35, it says, Contend, Yahweh, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. And may those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. They repay me evil for good. And they leave me like one bereaved. And then he says, Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth, which represents mourning. And I humbled myself with fasting. And when my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning, as though for my friend or my brother. And so even these enemies that David was hoping to have rescue from, like he feels this grief of people being ill, being hurt, thinking that, that this would happen to anybody of God's creation, that this was wrong. And when you look in biblical tradition, death is such a tragedy from what God intended and what He purposed for our world and for His people that the only appropriate response would be that I just don't even eat for a whole day. A lot of these examples would be 24 hours again. And making observations, thinking about our culture today, it's interesting that after a memorial service or a funeral we go eat somewhere, and people go eat together. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, but when we look through the Bible, this tradition, when you look and see people feasting and lots of food and coming together in that way, festivals, it's done in celebration of life, of overwhelming love and grace, that we'd celebrate the goodness of God together in that way. And fasting is, in a lot of ways, the opposite response as we experience grief and loss and death that is so contrary to God's hope for us, that we respond in this way, that I decide not to eat for a day, stop these normal operations of life today and just come close to Him. And when you look in the Scripture in Psalm 35 about David, the result, God answering His prayer, that's not the point. That's not why He fasts. But he fasts in response to the illness of those people and his sadness for them as if for a brother. So this is a unique, it's an important element of fasting when you observe it in Scripture, this element of tragedy and grief and loss. Because fasting is almost always done in alongside mourning. As this way to express grief or sorrow. And so fasting is us coming close to Yahweh and then letting him do what he needs to do. And over the past few weeks, um, I felt challenged to fast myself. And so I was fasting one meal the same day each week for a few weeks. I didn't even fast a whole day, but I feel challenged to do that after reading some more. And so during that time, I didn't I felt led to not have an agenda, and I have a plan, but just let Yahweh do what He needs to do, and just to be close to Him. And if there's nothing specific, like, I'm just going to be close, I'm going to be close to my Father, and that's enough. That should be enough for us. And so in that time, I just let Yahweh know what was on my heart, like, what am I experiencing these 
things in my life that aren't going quite like I thought that they would, or, you know, like I had these kind of plans or thoughts of what our lives could look like at this point in time, and it's different, and there's grief with that. You know, like not having the things maybe you thought you would, or things not going like you thought, and so just sharing that with Yahweh, letting Him know, like, this is the pain I'm feeling. And there's importance in that opportunity just to share it, to be heard. But it was so important for me, and I think for us, that we recognize, like, that He knows. To know that Yahweh knows what we're experiencing. Even now, I catch myself feeling like God, like, gets it, but He doesn't really get it. Like, he's so much bigger, and he has such a bigger perspective that, like, when I feel this pain, it feels so big to me, and he's just, he gets it. He's like, it's all right, like, just waiting for me to come around and then understand again that he sees everything bigger. But he gets it, and that's what he showed me, like, that when we share our pain and share our grief with him, don't you think that Yahweh feels this? They're His children, the people you lost. They're His children, the people who don't know Him, that you feel that burden for. The humanity around the world, how far away are we from Him? He, He feels that. Don't you think He does as our Father? So He reminded me, I feel your pain. He said, I feel your pain. God is not so far separated from us that He wouldn't feel the sadness and the grief that we feel. And it's important for us to know that He knows. It's not just us on our own, but He's with us. Alita, if you could help me for a second. I just have this, I had this image as well, like as I was praying, and the Lord is just helping me understand this a little bit, that when we fast, it's almost like we're doing this, like coming to our knees together with Yahweh. And it's not like he's just like, they're there, like, it's okay, I'm just going to wait for you to figure it out. But he's like here with us in the grief, like in the sorrow, like feeling it with us. Thanks, that was it. (laughs) But it's an important image because Yahweh is not above waiting for us to figure it out, but he's with us in there. And fasting, it gives us this physical response to these moments in our life where we can just come close to him and let him do what he needs to do in our heart he says i feel your pain the pain of your loss the pain of losing control the pain of change and transition the pain of repentance and surrender do you believe that yahweh feels what you feel he says i feel your pain in this experience to know that yahweh knows And he feels that. It's so important for our relationship with him. Because again, fasting, these practices, is just about coming close to Yahweh. And this is very, I think, significant practice to help us do that. So when we fast, we give ourselves this opportunity to physically express the experiences we have with Yahweh in response to change, to repentance, and to tragedy. If you bow your heads with me, I want to just take a moment to reflect on this and let God continue to speak to us.
And before we talk a little bit about putting to action these, this practice, I want to just have a moment as we do each week. Maybe you don't, you're not living life with Jesus, and that's something that you'd like to do today, to start this relationship with Him. To start living in that kind of community of the faith that we share. And so we want to give this opportunity to maybe start that journey today. And it is a journey. I mean, this church community is so important to how we grow and continue to shape our life to look like Jesus. And so this would be saying that I believe Jesus died for me. I believe in His resurrection, that it made a way for me to have relationship with Him. That I want to have relationship with my Creator, God. And so maybe you want to say that for the first time today. We want to support you and do that together. So even if you've been following Jesus or you know Him, let's say this prayer together as you repeat after me. I mean, just in support of those who maybe are saying it for the first time. So let's pray. Jesus, thank You for loving me. For giving me a second chance. Lord, I want to accept You into my heart. And I believe You died on the cross for me. I want to live my life with You. Be the Lord of my life and be my Savior. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate together? Maybe somebody said that for the first time, and that's a big deal. And I just want to encourage you, this church community, like we grow together. And it's not just a one thing and I'm good, but like we continue to come together, encourage and challenge each other to look more like Jesus. And so please lean into this community, meet some people today as we just keep growing. And so I want to take a couple moments now for us to respond just as we talk about fasting. What does that look, for, look like for me or for you and for your family? How maybe can you apply that to your life this week sometime? Or maybe even as we go into this year, that may be what you feel challenged to lean into and develop that kind of routine to continue fasting. So maybe you're in a season of life with a major kind of shift. You feel like God's doing something new, bringing about some new opportunity, or maybe you're just a little unsure about what he's doing and maybe feel that he's shifting something, and you feel that fasting would be a good response to come close to him and let him speak what he needs to. Maybe you become aware of a pattern in your life that a behavior that's been uh, sinful or selfish and maybe a little bit off the track of where God wants us to be. And you feel like more than just praying a prayer but feel that fasting and physically expressing that kind of repentance would be good for you. And maybe you're in a situation where this, this tragic event has happened to you, someone you love, or even feeling that kind of tragedy and grief for where humanity is, even as in a bigger picture. And maybe not just stuffing the emotions, but being able to process that grief through a day of fasting and coming close to Yahweh. And you might think like, well, I don't really have any of those moments, so like, I'm not going to fast, it's not really a thing. I thought about that question for myself, and I realized I often disengage myself from the rest of the world. If you think about humanity as a whole, God's people, like the ones he created, his daughters and sons around the world, there's such a disconnect from what he purposed for us. There's always some, something to draw us close to him in this way. And so fasting, it can be an appropriate response for us at any moment to come close to him and maybe to, to understand his heart a little more. Maybe it's not even just about him understanding us, but that we'd understand 
his sadness and the grief that the Lord has for where we are. But even if it's just to come close to him, there's reason enough for us to practice this and come close to Yahweh this way. So I want to give you a couple moments. If you have some notes, maybe some, a notebook, or you can pull up an open, open note on your phone. So why don't you go ahead and do that. Somewhere you can write down, record something as God's speaking to us. I'm going to give us a moment here just to reflect. Let God speak to us. And think about your life this week. Like, how can I apply this? What is it maybe a situation that encourages a response of fasting? And how God's speaking to me to apply this this week.